Do you understand the forces shaping events in the world around you? Do you want to know the answers or just the issues? Do you know the secrets of prosperity economics? Live from Salt Lake City, the free capitalist himself, Rick Kerber. Good morning. Welcome to Free Capitalist Radio. It's a good day today. This is Rick Kerber. I am the Free Capitalist. We had a good conversation yesterday. We looked to continue today. We're going to talk about those secrets of prosperity. Hope you're awake. Hope your brain's on. If not, wake up. Get thinking. We need your brain on Free Capitalist Radio. All right, a lot of things in the news today. We're going to do a little bit of two things today. We're going to talk about politics, and we're going to talk about principles of prosperity. We're going to try to show you the connection between the two. We talk a lot about capitalism on the radio. A lot of times people ask me questions. What does capitalism have to do with politics? Or what does this particular policy have to do with capitalism? What you have to understand, first of all, is that Free Capitalist Radio and capitalism, the message that we've got for you, is not just about economics. Prosperity, as you know, is a lot more than just dollars and cents. Uh, the way my mother used to say it is you can have all the money in the world, but if that's all you have, you really don't have much. Um, it's easy to say that, by the way, when you're broke. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I've said on the radio the last couple of days is there's only one thing I hate worse than being broke, and that's being deceived. One of the things that I've learned over the last uh, four or five years, especially as I've learned the principles of prosperity, is that if we are deceived, our path to prosperity is hindered. There's very little we can do because when you're deceived, you don't know what you don't know. So today in Free Cattle Radio, we're going to talk a little bit about the rekindling of the Iraq war debate and President Bush and whether or not he's uh, manipulated the truth and lied to the American people. We're going to talk about how that relates to capitalism and how it doesn't. And then we're going to talk about some basic principles we call the five pillars of prosperity. If you'd like to call into the show today from Ogden Weber, North Davis County at 670-5855. From Provo Orm in Utah County, it's 470-5855. And from Salt Lake, it's 254-5855. Again, you're listening to Free Capitalist Radio. I'm Rick Kerber. I am the Free Capitalist. Yesterday, we had an interesting, interesting story. Former President Jimmy Carter. President Jimmy Carter has come out and uh, joined forces again with those who are claiming that President Bush and the White House have manipulated the weapons of mass destruction fear. Uh, this is an AP report uh, from yesterday, 11 o'clock in the morning, it said, According to President Jimmy Carter, the Bush administration's pre-war claims that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction were manipulated at least to mislead the American people. <clears throat> so President Carter says that at least President Bush should be held accountable for manipulating the data on weapons of mass destruction. Well, that's interesting. One of the things that we see happening in politics all the time is people have a tendency, the, the listening public have a tendency to forget what was said a month ago, three months ago, six months ago, and uh, we, we barely remember what was said yesterday on the radio or on television or what was written in print. And what we've got to realize is that there's a long history here, and how we respond to this history tells us a lot about ourselves. Again, ideas have consequences. I would like to spend a little bit of time today and share with you some of the things you may have forgotten as we examine whether or not Jimmy Carter's right. Should President Bush be held accountable for manipulating weapons of mass destruction data? Let's go back to 1998. 
who was president in 1998. You remember? Yeah. Wonderful President Bill Clinton, Democratic president, passed an act um, authorized by the Congress called the Iraq Liberation Act. Now, a lot of you probably don't remember that. But when President Clinton passed the Iraq Liberation Act, one of the things that we've got in there is a series of facts that President Clinton used to justify the passing of this act. In this act, he cites, clear back to 1980, the conclusion that Saddam Hussein had repeatedly used chemical weapons against the Iranians in the Iran-Iraq War. In this same act, it's a matter of congressional record and public record, in 1988, uh, Saddam Hussein killed over 50,000 Kurds of his own people. And then on March 16, 1988, he used chemical weapons against the Kurdish civilians. I don't think there's any debate that President Saddam Hussein of Iraq had used chemical weapons uh, prior uh, to President Bush's administration. So the first thing we need to understand is that chemical weapons and Iraq were a foregone conclusion long before President Bush stepped into the scene. Now, continuing on. In 1996, this is, pres this is the legislation passed by Congress and authorized by the President of the United States, President Bill Clinton, back in 1998. Here are some of their conclusions. Quote, since March of 1996, Iraq has systematically sought to deny weapons inspectors from the United Nations access to key facilities and has on several occasions endangered the lives of United Nations personnel in Iraq and has persisted in a pattern of deception and concealment regarding its weapons of mass destructions program. So President Clinton in 1996 and Congress agreed that Iraq was dangerous because Saddam Hussein was endangering the lives of United Nations personnel who were there looking for and monitoring his weapons of mass destruction program and concluded that Saddam Hussein had showed a persistent pattern of deception and concealment. Okay, so this isn't President Bush. This isn't the Republicans. Okay, this is a Democratic president that is approving a legislation long before President Bush ever enters into the scene. Now, why is that important? Let's keep going. Same legislation. August 14, 1998, President Clinton signed Public Law 105-235, which declared, quote, The government of Iraq is in material and unacceptable breach of its obligations. And it urged, the legislation urged, quote, The President to take appropriate action in accordance with the Constitution and relevant laws of the United States to bring Iraq into compliance with its obligations. And then it goes on to spell out those obligations, specifically verifying its disarmament and the absence of weapons of mass destruction. Now, additionally, let me share with you some statements by people that uh, you might be surprised because you probably don't remember, and their opinions about the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. The first is from President Bill Clinton, February 4, 1998. One way or the other, we are determined that we must deny Iraq the capacity to develop weapons of mass destruction and the missiles to deliver them. That is our bottom line. Sounds a lot like President Bush, doesn't it? That's President Clinton, February 4, 1998. Okay, another quote. This is President Bill Clinton, February 17, 1998. If Saddam rejects peace, 
We have to use force. Our purpose is clear. We want to seriously diminish the threat posed by Iraq's weapons of mass destruction program. So here's President Clinton telling the American people that Iraq is a threat because of their weapons of mass destruction. Madeleine Albright, President Clinton's Secretary of State, said on February 1st, 1998, we must stop Saddam from ever again jeopardizing the stability and security of his neighbors with weapons of mass destruction. <coughs> now, this is Sandy Berger, President Clinton's National Security Advisor, February 18th, 1998. He will use those weapons of mass destruction again, as he has ten times since 1983. This is a democratic administration warning the American people, speaking out about weapons of mass destruction. This is before President Bush. This is before Vice President Cheney. This is before anybody's accusing anybody of manipulating intelligence data. We have a democratic-controlled uh, White House urging the American people to stand behind them in their efforts to get rid of Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. Now... How about this one? Here is a letter that I happen to have a copy of that's from President or to President Clinton from Senator Carl Levin, from Senator Tom Daschle, and from Senator John Kerry. It was co-signed by all of them on October 9, 1998. Here's what it says. We urge you, after consulting with Congress and consistent with the U.S. Constitution and laws, to take necessary actions, including, if appropriate, air and missile strikes on suspect Iraqi sites to respond effectively to the threat posed by Iraq's refusal to end its weapons of mass destruction programs. Senator John Kerry, Senator Tom Daschle, didn't seem to have any question about whether or not the President of the United States needed to take military action because of the intelligence information that there were weapons of mass destruction programs in Iraq. One more. Republican, or excuse me, Representative from California, Democratic Representative Nancy Pelosi, December 16, 1998. Saddam Hussein has been engaged in the development of weapons of mass destruction technology, which is a threat to countries in the region, and he has made a mockery of the weapons inspections process. Now, when President Carter comes out yesterday and accuses the White House of manipulating data on weapons of mass destruction, it's important to remember that it wasn't just President Bush warning the American people about weapons of mass destruction. Now, on this very topic, we've got a caller. We've got Aaron. Aaron's from Salt Lake City. Aaron, how can we help you today? Yeah, uh, who, who invaded Iraq? Who thought Iraq was enough of a threat to invade them? Well, there was a coalition of countries led by the United States. Of course, you know that. What's your point? Uh, which one of our presidents invaded Iraq? Which one of our... When? Which presidents invaded recently? Well, the most recent, of course. You know this. What's your point? President Bush went into Iraq. My point is, okay, who is the president right now? Who is the commander-in-chief right now? Your point is... Well, no, I, I'm asking you a question. Who is the commander-in-chief right now? Yeah. Um, here, here's okay. the thing, Aaron. And my, my question to you is, why are you going down memory lane and trying to place the blame on Bill Clinton for George Bush's failure well, be, and manipulation? Yeah, be, be, be careful, Aaron. I'll answer your question. I'm not placing blame on anybody. Bush, 
I'm not placing blame on anybody. All I'm doing, first of all, you talked about why am I going down memory well, lane. It, the, the reason well, I'm going down memory lane is because before we place blame, we need to make sure that we understand what the facts are. And the facts, first and foremost, I'm not even defending President Bush at this point. I am simply saying we've got to remember in our political discourse what the facts are. Because as American people, right we, we get manipulated we get manipulated by people who don't tell us the whole story and who won't be held accountable for what they've told us in the past. Now, it doesn't matter what side you're on. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you back on the air here, but I, we're going to have a conversation here. We're not going to talk over each other. It doesn't matter which side you are on. trying to manipulate this into being Bill Clinton's fault. How am I trying, to, how am I trying to manipulate fault. Bill Clinton is no longer president. Uh, yes. Bill Clinton didn't invade yes. Iraq. I, I agree with you. But let me, ask you this. let me ask you this question. Do you think that it's manipulating to disclose facts? Well, uh, facts that are so old and that are no longer relevant and are not relevant to the fact that Bill Clinton is not the one who invaded Iraq. Okay, different argument. So this dif really dif has dif no arguments. relevance. Let me, no, you're, what you're, you're trying to do, Aaron, why don't you admit your motivation I'll, I'll, is to try Aaron, to pin this on th Bill Clinton? Here's the problem with liberal socialists like yourself. Is How you, do you know what I am? Well, I can just tell by your actions. No, you, no, you can't. Uh, you can't tell anything. Uh, now you're a mind reader? Thanks, thanks, thanks. Let, 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 let me tell you, the sad thing about guys like Aaron is he tells you one thing, but he means another. Let me give you an example. The first thing he does is he says that I am manipulating uh, the listeners of our show today uh, by uh, reading facts. Well, there's a problem with this. Uh, how is reading facts? I haven't made an opinion on whose fault anything is. I haven't defended the invasion of Iraq. I've simply said before we enter into a discussion, we've got to make sure the facts are on the table. Now let's judge a guy like Aaron by his actions. What he does is he says one thing. He says you're manipulating the listener by using these facts. And then I said, well, what's wrong with using these facts? He says, well, they're outdated. I see. So truth is outdated. But what he really wants to do is he really wants to point the blame at somebody else. He's a victim. He wants us to believe we're victims so that as we all feel like victims, we can blame whoever it is at the helm and uh, uh, hold somebody else accountable. Well, this isn't how it works if you want to be prosperous in the United States. We'll talk more about that when we get back here on Free Capitalist Radio. All right, we're back here on Free Capitalist Radio. If you'd like to call into the show today, Ogden Weber, North Davis County, 670-5855. Provo Orem, Utah County, 470-5855. Salt Lake County is 254-5855. If you'd like to debate, please call in, but it's going to be a debate. It's going to be a back and forth. It's going to be an exchange. It's not just going to be a diatribe or a dogma. We're going to talk about facts, and we're going to explore ideas. Now, what we were talking about before the break is we were talking about the fact that before President Bush ever got into office, there were many, many on the other side of the aisle who were warning the American people about the weapons of mass destruction. Now, I'm not defending the administration. I may. I'm not defending the invasion of Iraq. I may. But there's a point I wanted to make, first of all, and that is that facts, if we're going to be self-reliant, if we're going to be independent, if we're going to take ownership for our own prosperity individually and then as a nation, we've got to understand the facts. Because if you don't understand the facts, then you allow yourself to get manipulated. And if you're manipulated, you're deceived. Or excuse me, the other way around. If you, you allow yourself to get deceived, and then if you're deceived, you can be manipulated. So, what's my point? What's my point? Well, 
we're accusing the White House of manipulating data. Uh, in, the, in the media today, there's a lot of debate. I mean, Harry Reid uh, from Nevada just a, a, a day or two ago uh, began again this um, kind of uh, tirade against President Bush and Dick Cheney and those in the administration for uh, manipulating the American people by manipulating the Iraqi weapons of mass destruction data. Their argument goes essentially like this. They wanted to go to war with Iraq, therefore they didn't want to pay attention to the facts, therefore they manipulated the data, therefore they convinced the American people of something that wasn't true, namely that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction and posed a threat to their neighbors and the world around them. The problem with that argument is the fundamental premise is that there was an ideological campaign or a predisposed mental decision to go to war in Iraq and their message is that we were going to do it at all costs no matter what and so we invented as an administration, the Bush administration invented this truth. The point that I'm making is the factual history is much different. The factual history is that the entire government for a decade or more has been making the same argument. Now. Whether or not there are even weapons of mass destruction in Iraq now, or ever have been, okay, since the, since 2003 uh, when we went in there, that's a whole different argument. But the argument that the Democrats are making today is nonsensical, because they're arguing the White House of creating the truth or creating this idea that there's a threat, and they're saying well, obviously there wasn't any, because now with hindsight we didn't find big weapons of mass destruction stockpiles, and therefore it's obvious that Dick Cheney and President Bush wanted to go to war. But the problem is, in hindsight, you can say that, but we've got to hold everybody accountable. We've got to ask Tom Daschle, Tom Daschle, why were you telling the American people there were weapons of mass destruction? We've got to ask Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, why were you telling people there were weapons of mass destruction? We've got to ask Madeleine Albright. We've got to ask President Bill Clinton, because they were all public servants, and they all contributed to this story. The story was not created after the 2000 election. The story was continued by the president, uh, the president, administration. Now, if you'd like to debate about that, give me a call. But that's very important because this story or this narrative was being wove through the fabric of our political discourse for years and years and years. And if we're going to hold people accountable for the fact that we didn't find weapons of mass destruction, let's hold people who are currently in the United States Senate who are trying to get power and influence by critiquing the current administration and accusing them of lying, when in reality it's the same message that these leaders have been preaching from both sides of the aisle. If anything, if there are no weapons of mass destruction, and if it was a lie, then it's not a Republican lie. It is a uh, lie perpetuated by the dominant political class in Washington, and the American people need to wake up and learn the facts, and then we can decide how to act. Now, we're talking about politics, but we're going to transition here in a few minutes to personal finance, and it's the same thing, my friends. You've got to get the facts. You've got to wake up. We're so busy. We get up from you know our, our, our nightly sleep. We're lucky if we have breakfast. If we've got kids, we're taking care of the crying babies. And then, you know, mom or dad or both are off to work, and we're doing our thing. We're in our rush hour traffic. We get to the office. We hate our job. We're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, we hope to take an extra 10 minutes on our lunch break or whatever. And then we, you know, work till 5 or 6 o'clock. We fight rush hour. We get home. You know, maybe we turn on the tube for an hour or two. We argue or do whatever it is we do. Maybe, maybe we have a little recreation in the evening. We go back to sleep, and we repeat this ritual. But it's a meaningless ritual if there's no substance to our life. It's a meaningless ritual if we're deceived into thinking that that's what life is about. And if you don't see the connection here, why do you think the politicians continue 
to stir up this idea that there's a crisis. It doesn't matter whether it's Iraq War, whether it's Social Security, whether it's education. We give people great power over our lives if we let them make all the critical decisions. It's important because if you want to be prosperous, you've got to start making the decisions for yourself. And to do that, you've got to be informed. You've got to have the facts. This is Rick Kerber. I am the Free Capitalist. You listen to KTalk, 6.30 a.m. All right, this is Rick Kerber. You're back listening to Free Capitalist Radio. We've been getting into debate here today about uh, the weapons of mass destruction argument that just won't go away. And the argument we were talking about before the break is that if you're going to be responsible, you've got to get the facts. You've got to be informed. There are so many people. We've had a few callers who didn't even make it on the air. They're just so upset. But they can't make an argument. They just want to rant. But here's the thing, folks. If you don't wake up, if you don't have the facts, you really don't have an argument. That's what's wrong with our political discourse today is we say, well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. Like that's an argument. Who cares? I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or, or neither. You've got to have the facts. And you know what? When we have the facts, we can have fun, responsible, energetic discussion, and we can make decisions together. But if we don't care about the facts, we just want other people to do this decision-making for us and let us get back to our daily lives, right? Well, you want to stir up some controversy here. Free Capitalist published back, uh, oh, geez, uh, six, eight months ago. We published an expose uh, on the actual weapons of mass destruction argument in print. By the way, if you want to learn more about this information, you can go to freecapitalist.com. You can check out the archives there. Um, again, we're not Republicans or Democrats. We're just trying to find the truth. We're trying to examine the facts. So what you've got to understand is if you want to debate... When you come on the show, you've got to be willing to talk about the facts. Now, let's talk about some facts. Um, some things you might not know, besides the debate that we've just had, that, uh, in my opinion, we need to remember that it's not President Bush who invented the argument that uh, Saddam Hussein was a threat. If you think it was a fraud to go to war, if you think we were deceived to go to war, and I think you're entitled, obviously, to that opinion, before you start placing blame, why don't you get the facts and realize it wasn't just President Bush and Dick Cheney who, who told the story that led to the war. Some of those in the Senate who are currently critical of President Bush and Vice President Cheney and Don Rumsfeld, etc., some of those very people okay, have been contributing to this war for a long time. So if you want to be upset about the war, just make sure you understand uh, this war happened because of a long history, a long history of discourse and debate. Now, of course, President Bush did, did ultimately commit us there, did ultimately commit those troops, and, of course, he bears that responsibility, but uh, he didn't create the argument for the weapons of mass destruction. Now, um, <clears throat> what do you know about weapons of mass destruction? You hear in the mainstream media that we didn't find any. It's a big sham. Here's some things you might not know. May of 2004, U.S. forces accidentally stumbled across an artillery shell that multiple sources confirmed were filled with sarin nerve gas. Okay, that's uh, that was verified and actually reported by the New York Times, May of 2004. Okay, well, it, how did we stumble across a weapon? Now, this was just an artillery shell. It was not the stockpiles we talked about. But let me ask you, how did our forces come across a, a artillery shell that was filled with sarin nerve gas? which, by the way, is a weapon of mass destruction, if there's no nerve gas or chemical weapons in Iraq. How does that happen? It's just, you know, imagine you're walking down your hometown and you see a, 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 a piece of artillery laying on the side of the road and somebody comes and tests it and finds out that it's got chemical weapons in it. You, you, would you just go, oh, that's not a big deal. It's just one weapon. I'm sure there's no more where that came from, right? You may not have known that. Uh, 
Interestingly enough, the shell wasn't an isolated discovery, uh, and it wasn't in some warehouse or buried in the desert. It was actually found on the side of the road, um, and it was being used by the terrorists as an improvised uh, personal explosive uh, weapon, uh, what they call an IED. And uh, the problem is, if the terrorists there now have uh, access to chemical weapons, even in small quantities, let's think about the argument here. Let's just think about this. One of the things that the administration told us they were worried about was that in a post-9-11 world, where the terrorists, the Islamic fundamentalists especially, are mobilized against the United States. One of the big worries was what happens if you have a nation state like Iraq, if you have, an, if you have a nation state like Iraq, who is going to fund or help these terrorists? Or who's not going to control their weapons to the point that the terrorist network in their country could get a hold of these chemical weapons? Well, that was one of President Bush's reasons for going to war. If Saddam Hussein couldn't adequately and accurately catalog these chemical weapons, it was a risk to us because the terrorists could get them. Well, when we find a nerve gas shell on the side of the road being used as an improvised explosive device, okay, it seems to me that it's just a matter of reasoning that it's only a matter of time before something like that could get out of Iraq. right? But we don't hear about that in the media. Um, number two, what you don't know about, and I know there's a few calls on the board if you hold with me just a minute. Uh, second fact you may not know about. First associated by, or first reported by the Associated Press, also in 2004, Polish troops found five warheads load, loaded with chemical weapons. Five warheads. When Colin Powell went to the United Nations, he said that if there was just one vial of VX nerve gas, that could be used to terrorize the United States and our allies. But the Polish troops found in June of 2004 five warheads loaded with deadly chemical gas, which you know you can call a weapon of mass destruction. It fits the definition. Specifically defined as a weapon of mass destruction. Reported by the Associated Press. Okay. Surprisingly, none of the media uh, gave credit, credit to President Bush and said, okay, we haven't found large stockpiles, but... Uh, we've got five major warheads here. Um, interestingly enough, um, if you go back to 2003, the president said, Today the gravest danger in the war on terror, the gravest danger facing America and the world, is outlaw regimes that seek and possess chemical and biological weapons and nuclear weapons. These regimes could use such weapons for blackmail, terror, and mass murder. They could also give or sell those weapons to terrorist allies who would use them without the least hesitation. So Polish troops in 2004 found five warheads. Aren't you glad they found them before terrorists found them? Okay. Another fact. Weapons of mass destruction found in August of 2004. This was reported by Geostrategy Direct, a global intelligence news service. They're reporting that Iraqi weapons of mass destruction were actually shipped to Syria before the war and are currently being stored in Bekaa Valley and are being protected by Syrian and Iranian forces. Where did the weapons of mass destruction go? There are people out there reporting where they went, but the mainstream media is not talking about it. Okay, a couple things. November 8, 2002, all members of the UN Security Council voted that Saddam Hussein in Iraq was in material breach and was a threat to the neighbors around him. How much longer would you have liked the president to wait 
before going to war. This was the debate, folks. Now, regardless of whether you think he should have waited longer, I'm one who thinks that we went too quickly to war. That's my personal opinion. I think we went too quickly. But, to be fair, we've got to look at the facts. And if you were given the decision and you saw the intelligence reports that President Clinton was seen, that Sandy Berger was seen, that everybody in the Democratic administration before you was seen, and you started to see those same reports, what would you do? All right. With that uh, question in mind, we'll start to take some calls. We've got uh, Bob. Bob's a looks like a regular here on K-Talk. Bob from Pocatello. Hold on just a second, Bob, and I'll get you on the air. Bob, welcome. Howdy. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. There's no question. I mean, you know, we, we found jet fighters buried in the... These are the ones we found buried in the sand, right? Jet fighters equipped with spray tanks. And I suggest those were not for insecticides. Yeah, they're not for insecticides. Bob, hang with me through the bake, and we'll keep that going, okay? All right. All right, very good. This is Free Capitalist Radio. We'll be right back. All right, this is Rick Kerber. I am the Free Capitalist, and you're listening to Free Capitalist Radio, and we're talking about getting the facts. The new debate is being rekindled about weapons of mass destruction and President Bush and Vice President Cheney's role in informing or misinforming the public, depending on your conclusion. We've got Bob on the line with us, and Bob was telling us about uh, these airplanes that we found loaded for bear buried in the sand. Yeah, Bob, I don't think those were uh, for pesticide uh, use either. So, <laughs> Well, whatever. You know, in Iraq is... is uh you know, uh, several hundred thousand square miles. We we happen to find these because somebody led us to them. But but uh, okay, he had extended. Now these things I'm talking about things that broke essentially broke the armistice agreement where we had a ceasefire with him. Right. Okay. He had extended range scuds. These also broke uh, the armament agreements, and we had a total count on him. And we have never found the total that we, right. that we supposedly had. They went somewhere, and if they're not in Iraq, that should worry us even worse. Perhaps buried in the sand somewhere. Yeah, could we be. Had extended range frogs. Now, we found some of those going in, if you remember. They're mounted on the back of trucks. Yep. And a frog is a free rocket over ground. It doesn't require much guidance except a simple spin. And uh, uh, But they were they were beyond the, uh, had range capabilities beyond the limits that he had in his armistice. Okay. Hey, hey, Bob, let me ask you, why, yeah. did, why did we make him sign that armistice agreement? <laughs> because we, we didn't go on into Baghdad while we had the initiative, that's why. Yeah, he invaded Kuwait, we kicked his butt out of there, we sent him home, and we said, we'll leave you in power if you abide by an agreement. And we oh, made yeah. him sign an agreement. And, and we were in position, essentially, to, to wipe out his Republican guards, which, which were the disciplinary forces, the... The SS, if you will, compared to Nazi Germany, the disciplinary forces that kept the rest of his military in line. So, right, right. Uh, we'd, we'd have broke his back right off the bat. Yeah, and we, we could have, you know, and in hindsight, it's easy to say, well, we should have, but the truth of the matter is we said we'll give you a chance, and for ten years he flaunted that agreement, he broke the law, and everybody in the world agreed. Right, right before we went to war, you remember when the United Nations Security Council surprised everybody and unanimously passed the the uh, uh, resolution that said there would be serious consequences if he kept uh, uh, violating the agreement. You remember that? Yeah, and and the, you know, and, and you and you mentioned the, the polls had found uh, uh, more uh, uh, sarin. I might add that that artillery shell that we that was used against our. Uh, you know, wired up as, with some other uh, uh, HEs for uh, an IED uh, uh, was was uh, uh, sarin fill, 
and that amount of sarin, if, if that were released in a state, you know, in a field house or a big a stadium covered, I mean, that amount of sarin would would have killed the tens and uh, maybe up to a hundred thousand people, depending on how it was distributed. All yeah. right, if it had been put in the ventilation system, that'd have been all she wrote. But, yeah. But well, Bob, but, uh, I, I'm agreeing with you. This is great. I mean, one of the things we got to do is we got to remember this. We have such a short memory. People, we're talking about whether Cheney and Bush misled us. First of all, weapons of mass destruction was only one argument. Some of the things we're talking about now, maybe they weren't technical. You know, maybe they weren't going to cause World War III. But the problem was we had a dictator over there who wasn't obeying the agreement that kept him in power in the first place. That's correct. And as, as to whether or not we went in too quickly, you see. Had we waited for the 4th Infantry Division to come around from the Mediterranean, if you remember, we expected them to go in through Turkey, but we couldn't come to terms with Turkey. Right. But had we waited the extra, uh, you know, couple weeks it would have taken for them to come around, we would have been in the warm weather uh, in Iraq, and uh, we would have had the number of casualties we have now in all probability just, just from, you know, having to don the chemical suits. And somebody might ask the question, why was Saddam... Uh, uh, we're housing all these chemical suits that we found not to protect right. him from our weapons, right. but to protect him right. a, from his own weapons. Right. I, I remembered when that happened. They said, well, we didn't find chemical weapons, but we found all these suits. <laughs> and, and had we waited, yeah, and had we waited, uh, I mean, Saddam, of course, has his military advisors who had told him that he probably had some free time uh, while we brought the, you know, the... Uh, uh, I think it was the fourth infantry ID around, right? And uh, he, we, we jumped, and I think the principal thing in the in the president's mind was the fact that we would have suffered extensive casualties from from the heat wearing protective gear, right? Had we waited, right? Well, so, point, uh, point I, well taken. Point well taken. Anyway, I appreciate you letting me in, Rick, sure. and we'll move aside here and get somebody else in there. Sure. Thanks for the call, Bob. You betcha. Right. Oh, hey, one thing. Yeah. Our strategy today, we need to. Try to get the uh, provisional government over there simply to start charging whichever uh, state they have there for the effects of them using these terrorist weapons against us. Let them pay for it out of their share of the oil revenue. And I, I think that the, this foolishness would stop in a hurry if they're paying for the wounded and the dead and the rest of it. Interesting, yeah. When, when, we, when people have to pay a price, the, 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 it causes a change in behavior right away. Thanks, Bob. Thank, Thank you very much. All right, uh, talking about the current situation in Iraq, we've also got a call here from Claude in Salt Lake City. Claude, welcome to Free Capitalist Radio. Yeah, I wanted to commend you for uh, for trying to put lipstick on a pig. Because <laughs> you can spin this any way you want. You can propagandize this any way you want. but And you say you're a man of the facts. Well, the fact is that there was no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Well, and that is really the only relevant fact well, Claude, let in me ask, all of this argument. Let me ask you a question. Try to pin Claude, it on Clinton. Claude, let me ask you a question. Try to pin it on anyone else, but at the bottom line is you're trying to put lipstick on a pig. Okay, all right. Hey, fair, fair enough. Let me ask you a question. Are you you want to talk about this for a minute? You, you willing to talk about it for a minute? So. All right. Um, you, you say I'm putting lipstick on a pig. Okay. Let's see. You said the bottom line is there were no weapons of mass destruction. Um, were you listening earlier when I was talking about the, the five uh, chemical warheads that the Polish troops found? Um, what do you think about that? You know what, sir? I'll tell you. That they got Colin Powell told the world, showed, showed a satellite photo <laughs> to the world that this is where they are at. This is a... This is a 
uh, WMD factory right here, you know. And and the thing is, is everybody knows they knew beforehand he didn't have any weapons. Well, That's that, why they didn't let well, the inspectors finish their job. Okay, it di- was because di- of the heat, yeah, and bu- they couldn't wear their gas uniforms because of the heat. Claude, different, different question. Hey, Claude, different yeah. question. I'm going I'm to have to turn you down here if you don't if you don't want to be responsive. Different question. I mean, what do you think about the five? Chemical warheads that the Polish troops found—they were all duds. They didn't—they didn't even re- come close to reaching the level of weapons of mass destruction. Okay, well, give me a break. Here, here, here's the, that is a ridiculous argument. Okay, you, you sir, are trying to put—you can spin it any way you want. You can spin it on a top. You're trying to put lipstick on a pig. Well, you can propagandize it just any way you want. But the bottom line is. No WMD in Iraq. And right. I'm sorry, five dud right. missiles with a very small trace of VX gas does not reach the level of invading a country. Right. I am sorry. Yeah. Good, good. I, I, I wanted to let uh, Claude go there for a little bit just so everybody could get a chance to hear that kind of argument. Uh, when you ask somebody a question, what do you think about uh, these chemical weapons that were found, the answer, remember his first answer, his first answer was, Colin Powell said that there was factories and, and, and these other things, and you, you know those weren't there, uh, but you see that wasn't the argument. My question was, if we found five, how many didn't we find? And then, of course, uh, Claude doesn't have any facts with him, but uh, if you want to go on to freecapitals.com and look at the archive, it was the September 10, 2004 edition of Free Capitals magazine, you can see the facts for yourself. Uh, I'm not asking that war is a good thing. I'm not advocating that, um, you know, um, there wasn't a, uh, a miscalculation in the intelligence. I think there was. I think it's very clear that even this administration was surprised when they didn't find uh, the stockpiles of weapons of mass destruction. I'm not arguing that. I've seen no evidence that there were stockpiles of weapons of mass destruction. I've made two arguments today. My first argument was... Let's not accuse President Bush of trying to convince the American people that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction when it wasn't he alone trying to convince us of that. It was the administration before him, and for decades that rhetoric had been being uh, sent our way. Now, uh, the second argument I made was that Saddam Hussein was in violation of his agreement to power. So whether or not there were or were not weapons of mass destruction, there was ample reason, according to the arguments being made at the time, for us to go into Iraq. Now, if you understand that, then you start to understand the facts. This is Free Capitalist Radio. All right, welcome back. This is Rick Kerber. You're listening to Free Capitalist Radio. Well, we've got a few people calling in or uh, spout off about the Iraq war. Let's talk about why did I decide to bring this topic up today. Now, uh, as much as I like good debate, there's something that I was trying to demonstrate by using a contemporary event that gets people heated up on both sides of the equation. Regardless of how you feel related to the war in Iraq, regardless of how your emotions react, let me ask you this. Are you looking for the facts, or are you letting other people look for you? Are you taking responsibility for your own ability to understand what's happening, or are you just listening to the sound bites and the snippets in the media? You see, if you're going to be prosperous in life, you've got to be willing to be accountable for where you are. And then if we're going to talk about finances and improving your life, you'll say, well, what does that have to do with contemporary events? 
It has to do with how you're thinking, and it has to do with your paradigm. If you're the kind of person who, who just wants to listen to others pontificate and decide whose side is right, um, you're going to pay the price because ideas have consequences. Or if you're the kind of person who wants to get to the bottom of the facts and do a little bit of research and make your own opinion and be well-informed, you're going to be mentally in a much healthier position and much more able to be prosperous. Now, tomorrow we're going to talk about Milton Friedman's book, Capitalism and Freedom. The price of freedom is high, folks. Ideas have consequences, and we've got to be informed. And I'm not always going to agree with you, and you're not always going to agree with me on the uh, conclusion of what we should or shouldn't do. But we should both agree in principle that it's better to understand and know the facts before we make a decision. Now, when you get down to it, the bottom line is if you, a great book for you to read would be Ayn Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged. Go pick it up. Atlas Shrugged. You can pick it up at any major bookstore. This story uh, is a story about what happens when this message that I'm giving you disappears. What happens when the capitalists decide that the people like Claude, who want to call in tirade regardless of the facts, have their way, and the people who, who they support get to have their way, and the people who are the capitalists and the prime movers okay, and the producers in society decide to withdraw? I invite you to read that book. It's called Atlas Shrugged. It's by Ayn Rand, A-Y-N. R-A-N-D. Now, when you read that book, then call me back. Claude, read that book. Call me back. And let's talk about what the facts are and how those matter. Now, I don't have a monopoly on the facts, and neither does the current presidential administration. You've got the ability within yourself, within yourself regarding your personal life, within yourself regarding local politics, and within yourself regarding national politics. The point of the matter is you, and only you, are responsible for how your life's going. So how are your ideas working for you? Yesterday when Les McGuire was on the air with us, he said, let's not use the words uh, good or bad or, or, truth or true or false for a minute. He said, let's use the word useful or unuseful. Your ideas determine where you are in life. How well are you doing? How good are your ideas serving you? How useful are they? Are you prospering? Okay. Or are you living paycheck to paycheck? Are you struggling to barely make it? Are you stressed out to the max? And I don't care whether you look like you have a lot of money or you look like you're poor as beans. Okay? How are your ideas working for you? Try it out. Think. Are your ideas being effective? What we're trying to do here, one hour a day from 9 to 10 every day, and apologize for the raspy voice, we come in even when we're sick, okay? even when uh, our cold has us down, because it's more important that we stimulate this discussion and get people to open their eyes and to wake up, turn their brain on. This week you've heard me call people socialists. You've heard me demonstrate where they don't understand what capitalism is. And you've heard me uh, discuss with Les McGuire what the principles of prosperity are regarding the paradigm and how you think. Okay? We're going to do this every week, every day, talking 9 to 10. We invite you, if this message is meaningful to you and helpful to you, we invite you to invite your friends to listen. Invite your neighbors to listen. Turn the radio on at work. We're here at 6.30 a.m. K-Talk, Free Capitalist Radio, 9 to 10. We're going to keep stimulating these ideas. We're going to keep challenging you to turn your brain on, and we're going to challenge you to join us, become a free capitalist. Join us tomorrow, and we're going to talk about some people who decided to change their thinking and become capitalists. And, and, and they first had to learn what it meant, because most people don't understand what that even means and how that changed their life how some of them are making literally tens of thousands of dollars a month in passive income, how some of them are just making a couple thousand dollars a month, but they're not a slave anymore. And they'll, we'll talk about these stories and how these stories go back to the basic idea that you've got to be responsible for your thoughts. 
ideas do have consequences. And if you understand that, you're on your path and you're on the way to true prosperity. You know, there's an amazing thing that happened in the American history and the history of this nation. The founding fathers, who had many, many disagreements, united around some basic principles. Those basic principles okay, were enshrined in the Declaration of Independence.